Lord, as we delve into your word now, would you inspire us? Would you speak to us? Would we come out of this time together as the body of Christ, as we leave this place? Would we be inspired and filled with what you want to say to us today? Amen. The ascension of Jesus. We don't really preach on it very much in churches, but let's, let's just ask ourselves a few questions here. Has Jesus now gone? Yes, we hear the promise that Jesus will return, but, but in this middle time, is, has Jesus gone? Or, or is it that the ascension is like the, the closing of Act 1 when the curtains draw and we have an interval? Or, or is the ascension the end of the play? The curtains are drawn and what's to come? Jesus has gone, in part, and does that now mean that the ascension confuses what it is to live in a day-to-day basis as a disciple of Jesus? Or is the ascension, the rising of Jesus to be at the right hand of the Father, is that integral to our faith today as disciples of Jesus, those obediently following his call? Or, as your sermon series that you're going through at the moment encounters with Jesus... Hang on, if if Jesus has gone to be with his father, seated at the right hand of him, how on earth can we encounter Jesus today? Well, they will all be answered, they are all positive answers, I promise you, as we work through. But before we answer some of those questions, before we get to some of the nitty gritty of why the ascension is so important, I just want to do a brief overview of the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at that through the eyes of the Ephesians passage that we read together. But before we do that, I'm just going to read a few verses from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That says to us that God is eternal. Always has been, always will be. Now, the Word. Give me your standard primary school answer for any Jesus question. Who is the Word? Jesus, thank you, amen. Jesus is the word. So hang on, let's just read that again. In the beginning was Jesus, and the word, Jesus, was with God, and Jesus was God. So God is eternal. Jesus is eternal in the form of God the Son. And we also know that God the Holy Spirit is eternal. Yet, verse 14 of John 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The eternal God of history 
chose a moment in the present to send his son to be incarnate here on this earth so that for the future we can have redemption and life to the full. The eternal God acts in eternity, acts in the past, acts in the present, and continues to act in the future. But there was this moment, if we turn to the Philippians passage, there was this moment where God the Father chose to send his Son onto this earth. These are the words from Philippians that Chris read to us. Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus is born of Mary. There is this moment in the present that the incarnation happened. Jesus is born and he has emptied himself. Jesus is now fully man. What happened at the point of Jesus' birth? Yes, it's not Christmas and we won't go through it. Yes, the shepherds came, etc., etc. But the person of Jesus, as soon as he is born... Mary would have breastfed him. He has fully emptied himself because he is fully human. Whatever the equivalent of nappies were in first century Palestine, Mary would have put one on him. He was a baby, born in this world, fully human. Yet at the same time, the word Jesus has been there from the beginning in the present, and continues on into the future. The word Jesus, at this moment, is fully God as well, as he always is. So, Jesus empties himself. Next. We then see Jesus, for the majority of the time that he is on earth, he is a missional presence to the people that he is engaged with. The uh, Philippians passage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus' life was defined by serving other people. Jesus' life, he claims, is to call in the kingdom of God and to make God known in the world as fully human, fully God's. Then, We know what happens in that Easter story. And the Philippians passage continues. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to death on the cross. The Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, died for you and for me, taking our sin upon his shoulders. That is the reason he came. To proclaim the kingdom come and to be crucified. But we know that's the Good Friday story. We know Easter Sunday comes. What happens? Jesus is resurrected. He defeats death. 
meaning that we too can spend eternity with God. And it kind of feels like in the church, this is where we stop. That this is where the story stops. That the resurrection is the pinnacle. The resurrection is so important. The crucifixion is so important. Jesus' mission on earth is so important. And it wouldn't have happened unless he was born by Mary in that stable. But there is more. The Philippians passage continues. And this is the reason why the ascension happens. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Why did the ascension happen? Why is it so integral to our lived faith as disciples today? Why is it that it is actually only the closing of the curtain in Act 1 rather than the full play over? The ascension is critical to our discipleship to Jesus. And that's what we're going to focus the remaining time that we have together on today. And I'm going to focus on the Acts passage. Now, the word to ascend, we don't really use that in our general vocabulary. For example, I don't say to Mark, when I've finished in a moment, uh, Mark, would you ascend back to the microphone to carry on leading the service? No, we don't say that. We say, Mark, would you come forward? Would you climb the stairs? We don't talk about careers as people have ascended the ladder in their career, do we? No, we, we say they've climbed the ladder. But yet, we see in the Acts passage that Jesus is standing in his resurrected form in front of his disciples. And he physically goes up. But yet we call it his ascension rather than Jesus rose up or Jesus climbed up or whatever it is. Where do we use the word ascend in our day-to-day culture at the moment? Think back a few months ago to King Charles' coronation. King Charles ascended to his throne, didn't he? He ascended to the monarchy, the crown. He ascended to the throne. Yes, there was the physical act that he had to walk up a few stairs and sit down in his chair. But that's symbolic, of what is actually happening at the time of King Charles's coronation. What happens? Authority switches. Authority is transferred from who was the previous monarch to now King Charles. King Charles is throned, he's crowned. So, what happens at the point of Jesus's ascension? is more than simply him rising into the clouds. Jesus, as it said there, is enthroned. This has always been God's plan. 
God's plan did not stop at the resurrection. God's plan was always that the person of Jesus, fully God, fully man, would ascend to the throne to sit at the right hand of the Father. Now, to be clear, Jesus has always been king. The passage that Mark read at the end of our time of worship made that clear. He has always been king. He has always had authority. He has always ruled past, present and future. So this enthronement is a particular enthronement, which is for Jesus to be exalted, to be the head of his church. This authority transfers over to Jesus. Why then? And what does this have any relevance to me today? Three, three points. Firstly, because of Jesus' enthronement, we now have the gift of his presence. There's a, a story in this book. I don't know if you are reading this alongside uh, the preaching series. There's a story in this book where Mary Magdalene is clinging to Jesus. It says this in John 20, verse 17. Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You can imagine Mary thinking, what on earth is Jesus talking about? Now, the clinging on that Mary is holding on to Jesus is, is more than just a hug. It's like a, I don't want you to leave. It doesn't happen so much anymore when I drop my kids off at school and nursery. Um, they tend to just run off into school now. They love it. But on the very odd occasion, uh, Evangeline, our youngest, clings on to my leg. It's like, Daddy, I, I don't want to go in today. I want to come home with you. It's that sort of, don't leave. Don't leave me. And then I sort of push her in, in a loving way, and say, no, you need to be educated, my dear. But that's what Mary is doing. She's clinging hold of Jesus. And it almost seems unsympathetic of Jesus to say, don't, don't hold on to me now, because I have not yet ascended. But that is confusing, because at the point of Jesus' ascension... He leaves this earth. So what does that actually mean? Look at the Acts passage. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses throughout the world. And then Jesus leaves. And then we see a few verses later, Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus's church. Jesus goes and the Holy Spirit comes. So, when Jesus is saying to Mary, don't cling hold of me, what he's saying is don't cling hold of me now because at this moment when Jesus is talking to Mary, he is fully human. Jesus cannot be in two places at once because he has emptied himself and is fully human. So when Jesus leaves Mary at that point in that story, 
Mary has no longer access to Jesus because he has gone wherever he was going to next. So don't cling on to me now because I've not yet ascended. Because my presence has not yet fallen in the power of the Holy Spirit, which Mary will live inside of you always. There's a quote from St. Augustine that says this, Jesus ascended from before our eyes and we turned back grieving only to find you, Jesus, in our hearts. The disciples are there. They're watching Jesus go. There's this confusion. He's he's gone. And then he floods them with his Holy Spirit. He floods them with his presence. Jesus is in them forever. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder for you whether today you need to hear that. That yes, the person of Jesus died, resurrected and ascended to be enthroned at the right hand of the Father. Yes, Jesus is not with us in his physical form here right now in church. But don't be disheartened. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is with us. He is with us. He has gifted us his presence. Do you need to hear that today? Is it that disconnect of Jesus Jesus left? Did he leave? No. Because he left something. He left us with his Holy Spirit. And we can experience that and have that in our lives today. Secondly, why did Jesus ascend to heaven? Well, we know that he is enthroned now at the right hand of the Father. And at the point of the ascension, he can now outwork his power through the Holy Spirit over his church. Ephesians 1 verses 20-23 says, He raised, this is God, He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, who fills everything in every way. Jesus' power is working through his church. Do you believe that here in this place, in Southport, at this time? Because he is. Jesus, the enthroned king at the right hand of the Father, who lives with us, his presence is in us, outworks his power through each of us. The Holy Spirit will come and be witnesses in all of Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, indulge me for one moment. I'll just tell you a story about Church Collective. Um, I said before, we, we don't have a building. We don't have a church building. Uh, no building was sort of given to us. And so we've had to look for these different buildings that we can inhabit different spaces. And there is a youth zone in the centre of Warrington, which is basically like a big youth leisure centre. It's open 365 days a year, including Christmas Day. 
and it is a safe haven for young people to go and experience a whole raft of different activities, but it's a safe place for them to be. I saw it when I was praying and discerning what God was calling us to do in Warrington. And I saw the youth zone and I was like, God, I want to be a presence in that place. We approached the youth zone. They said, I'm sorry, we don't have faith organisations as a part of what we're doing. The youth zone is a, um, it's a, it's a national thing. It's about 20 around the country. And I'm saying, Jesus, by your power... May we have a church presence in that place. That was uh, Christmas uh, 21. Christmas 22. It had been open for about six months. It opened in uh, the July of 22. Um, I've been volunteering there for a few months. Um, the CEO comes to me and he says, Simon, can you, can you ask me again what you asked me a year ago? And I was like, oh, yes, Lord, okay. <laughs> we had a mission week with uh, Warrington Youth for Christ in February um, of this past year. And since then, every single Monday night, we have held a youth collective. That's what we call our congregations, our mission communities. Um, we've had a youth collective in the youth zone. 200 young people, on average, go to the youth zone every single night. And we are in the midst of them. We have a space, we have a room where we explicitly say, we are in this room exploring Jesus. That's what we call it, exploring Jesus. And people are coming to know Jesus because of that presence. Jesus is enthroned. He is the head of his church. He uses us, those people who carry his presence, to outwork his mission. But he goes before us. And so we have this youth collective in, in the youth zone, and it's amazing. Christchurch, what is that for you? Where do you need to remind yourself that Jesus is enthroned, that he works through you, and that he is working in this church? He is working right now in Cafe Church. He is working right here now in this room, of course he is. He is working in the missional communities that are a part of this church. Do you believe that? Or does it feel slow and hard and tiring? Does it feel like Jesus' presence is not here with you? Does it feel like he has left his power at the front doors? Or his power is working in a different church? Friends... Hold on to the knowledge, the promise, the truth that Jesus is enthroned and is over his church. And his power works in you. Finally, the third reason as to why Jesus ascended to his rightful throne. The rightful place at the right hand of the Father. It is so that he can be our advocate. 1 John 2, verses 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. <laughs> the, the, the guarantee 
of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and then his ascension to be at the right hand of the Father, is that he is our advocate. That when we die and we are before God, Jesus is there. And as God the Father looks out, he will see Jesus. Because Jesus is our advocate. He stands in front of us and presents us to God. And that's the message that we tell people. That's the message that we tell people. That is the reason why we go out to proclaim the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us. Church, our discipleship, life can be really tough. It can be full of challenge. Jesus never promised us that our discipleship to him is going to be clear sailing. But what we can do, friends, is hold on to the knowledge that when we repent and believe in Jesus, he gifts us with his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is always with us and will never leave us. And that as we go, he is going in his power over his church, over his mission, and we join him. And that as we go, we tell people, you have an advocate, friend. You have someone who is going to present you to the God of eternity when we reach that time.